You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the On Enquirer podcast. It's Jeremy Warner and Derek Piper live at Mackey Arena, where we just saw Illinois get down by 21 points to the number one team in the country. Give them a 20 to 4 lead to start this thing off. Derek, they cut it to three in the final seconds. We're still not able to get the victory. 83 to 78. Purdue wins despite Zach Eady. Only 10 points is the lowest total in a really long time. Do that 15 rebounds. But the other guys step up for Purdue. Which always seems to be the case against Illinois. Mason Gillis always seems to play well, but Trey Kaufman ran the guy tonight. Season high, 23 points for him. Lance Jones, 17. Braden Smith with 14. Marcus Damas, 26 points. Kid's a baller. We'll talk about that. Luke Goody, season high, career high, 16 points. Quincy Garrier, double-double machine, 18 and 10. Coleman Hawkins up and down performance with 11 points, six assists, four rebounds. Derek, um, it's a bad idea to get down 20 to four at Mac Arena, uh, but this was basically like a carbon copy of last year. It definitely was. Uh, before we dive into this, I want to mention Zach Eady. It's an hour after the game, and he's still signing autographs for any and every kid that wants to come over there. So uh, props to him. Didn't have his best night. I mean, this is the lowest scoring total he's had in two years. But uh, national. I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that, man. Like I, I came out, we went to the press conference. He was signing, taking selfies, and he's still doing it. He just went back through the tunnel. Um, yeah. Seems just like a great dude. Easy to root for if you're not <laughs> an Illinois fan tonight, but uh, if you're not playing against him. But, boy, he's a great face for college basketball. He's, he's dominant too, but it didn't matter tonight. Everyone else for them was humming. Exactly. Yeah, that's bad news. Uh, it, it started, though, uh, he was a focal point of what wasn't working for Illinois early, and that's – Zach Eady and Ty Rogers. We wondered a lot. I wrote about it in the preview. Just the matchups were really fascinating. The decisions within the game for the two coaches to try to figure things out in terms of, obviously, offensively, Zach is a matchup issue for everybody in the country. You've got to do some different things than you maybe normally would in terms of your post defense and, and just trying to figure out where to send help and whatnot. And then who does Zach Eady guard when Illinois has the spacing, booty ball lineup, uh, and the way they've been shooting the three recently, especially with Hawkins and, and Gary A as their front court, there were some decisions to be made in terms of who he guards. So uh, I wondered if he'd guard Ty Rogers. He did so immediately, and that really helped stymie Illinois, a team that came in riding a hot streak offensively, three straight games, 90-plus points, shooting really well from the outside. But uh, with Edie able to camp in the lane, not be threatened by Ty because he's not even willing to, to look for a shot outside of the paint, essentially – Definitely not outside of 15 feet. That hurt Illinois. And then, yeah, on the other side, like you mentioned, I mean, Trey Kroffman-Wren, 
uh, was a top 50, top 60 recruit. Uh, He's one, you know, it feels like Purdue and Wisconsin are like two programs to still redshirt people and get away with it. Like, although Illinois is doing it with Sincere Harris right now, so we'll see maybe they add themselves to the list. But uh, he redshirted his first year, talented guy, comes in uh, and has the game maybe of his career so far. Uh, but not nothing that is too necessarily shocking uh, to those that maybe know what he's capable of. There's just a lot of pieces on this team. Uh, Braden Smith didn't have a great night. Boyer was decent, uh, not not great. Gillis comes in, makes some threes, and um, Lance Jones had a, had a, a couple as well. So, uh, really, as you look at it, offensive rebounds that Illinois gave up, and threes that they gave up, and a lot of times they went hand in hand. Brad mentioned that in the post game, in that first half, even when they were able to take those first couple of punches, they're down twenty to four and come back and, and cut it uh, to seven at one point, or maybe even lower than that. It was offensive rebound threes that really put this team in a bind. But similar to last year, they somehow find a way. It's like, oh, they're going to get beat by 30, and they're going to get run off the floor, and we won't have much to talk about. It's a three-point game with 12 seconds left. So uh, I do got to give credit to Illinois for um, showing some grit, showing some uh, resiliency there. Uh, Marcus Damask had a great second half. Uh, Coleman Hawkins had some really good moments. Quincy Garrier, although he was responsible for guarding Kaufman Wren and – especially early on, maybe as part of Illinois not getting it done on the glass. He had some moments as well. So some good and some bad mix. But I think as you look at the way it unfolded, pretty disappointing that Illinois started that slow. And then with Zach Eady having two fouls in the first half and not playing the last eight minutes, Purdue actually extended their lead from seven to 15 rather than Illinois cutting into that. Uh, by the way, we're going to be a little shorter tonight. We need to get on the road. It's snowing, and uh, we want to be able to take our time and, and get home before 2 a.m. this morning. Um, but, Derek, you mentioned, I mean, the difference in the game was 15 second-chance points in the first half for Purdue, 10 of them in the first five minutes. That You can't do that. And then Purdue was 7 of 10 from three in the first half, got a bunch of open ones on second-chance opportunities, three second-chance three-pointers they made in that first half, mostly in the first couple minutes. That's it. Like that felt like the game right there uh, is that first couple minutes. And then you know, Illinois was forcing Purdue into tough shots, uh, took a lot of mid-range twos that they missed, um, but they just got these offensive rebounds and made their threes. And that felt like the difference in the game. But also you mentioned, and you said right early in the, in the game, like, oh, Zach Eady's guarding Ty Rogers. I, I thought that would happen. And it took too long for Brad Underwood to adjust. And I'm, I'm glad he at least admitted it after the game, said, that's my fault because we didn't practice it enough. I thought it could happen. I expected it to happen, and that's my fault. I think Brad Underwood's been phenomenal this year as a coach. He, he went t- too long with that lineup uh, and then finally switched it, whether it was Harmon or Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. It, it just gave you a threat that they had to get. My question to you, Derek, is can other teams do this? Can other teams dork uh, Ty Rogers like this, or is it just – having a seven foot five guy, um, you know, that can just sit in the rim because Ty Rogers can take somebody off the bounce or he can feed it to Quincy Garrier or Coleman Hawkins and maybe finish over somebody who's not seven five. But can other teams match this? Can they do this? Did Matt Painter give the blueprint of how to slow Illinois' offense? To an extent, yes. I think that other teams definitely should do this and will do this. Will they do it as effectively that remains to be seen. I mean, there's no doubt that Zach Eady's a one of one. Like, there's one seven foot four, 300 pound guy in college basketball, and he's it. So, I think should Matty Sissoko, if you're Michigan State, if you're Tom Izzo watching this game back on film and say, should Matty Sissoko or Carson Cooper 
be the one to guard Ty Rogers and, and keep the fact of, all right, we're not going to put Tyson Walker on him. We're not going to put A.J. Hogarth on him. They, otherwise, they're probably going to try to booty ball with, with Ty. Uh, and then also one thing as you look at it. and The lights are the off. Light, the lights are off. Um, <laughs> when you look at it from Marcus Damask, you know that he's been really good with his back to the basket uh, and has been an effective turnaround jump shooter. Uh, with with this situation where centers are camping in the lane, and we'll see. I mean, this is the one example, and we'll see if it goes happens going forward. It's hard for for Marcus or other guys to get to the rim because that center is is camping out there, and it, it really neutralizes t- Coleman Hawkins just the gravity that he has as a five man that then goes out in the perimeter and shoots three. So uh, I think other teams will do this, but at the same time, I think you mentioned you know Ty can take guys off the bounce. I could maybe even just say, okay, you're standing there, but I'm with a with a couple of steps of momentum. I'm going into you uh, and, and trying to finish their contact. There are guys that are, are going to wilt a little bit more or at all in comparison to Zach. He's not going to, you know, even probably flinch uh, as Ty goes in there. So uh, I think that, that was I f- I'm full agreement with you. Uh, it was the difference in the game, in my opinion. I think that Brad not pivoting off of that. Uh, early enough in the first half and then going back to it early in the second half as then Purdue, it wasn't a massive uh, differential, but they built on their lead as Illinois once again rolled out Rodgers and and Edie was guarding him. So uh, I think people will look at that. That's a flaw in their offense, uh, their their starting group. And um, I do think it's something they have to evaluate, whether it's the minutes that Ty's going to play or just how you're going to counteract that. It definitely didn't work him dribbling on the perimeter into handoffs because – Guys could just either get through the the handoff or go under the screen, and then you're just playing like a normal you know pick and roll situation. And uh, I, I wonder, you know, we, we heard through the offseason, you know, Ty's working on his jump shot. It's shown at the free throw line. Do you do you want him to take a 15 foot jump shot? Obviously, if he's not showing the confidence, then you pro- then there's something behind that, and that it's not a shot that they feel is is makeable for him, or that he feels is is makeable enough. So um, it, it's he, he, he practices a yeah, he practiced him before the game, and it's it's a concern with Ty Rogers is your point guard, and you just can't play Rogers and Danger together. That is for sure. Um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how that happens moving forward. Because tonight, Derek, look at this: Ty a minus twenty three. Ty Rogers is a good player, but when when teams don't have to guard you, that that affects everybody else. And then when he was off the court, the offense uh, clearly clearly was better. So um, yeah, it's something they're going to have to figure out. Let's get to a little bit of positive here, Derek. And they fought back, uh, and they found a way to get in this game, kind of like last year. <laughs> they, I think Matthew Meyer had a big second half in that one, but they found a way to get back. And Marcus Damask is just a baller right now. Uh, what he's done the last, not just two games with 58 points, but really the last four games is a initiator of this offense, the guy who brings up the basketball, the guy who sprays it to everyone else and makes everyone else better. And then just nobody can really guard him right now. His shot can come and go. He's not taking many threes right now. He's 8 of 17 from the floor, 26 points. Gets to the free throw and makes his free throws 9 of 10 tonight. Just two turnovers. One came late. That was a little costly. Coleman had a, a turnover late. But what's standing out right now to you about Marcus Damask, who to me looks like as long as Shannon's out, he's going to have a chance to be an all-Big Ten first-team player with the production he's, he's bringing He's going to put up some crazy numbers, and he continues to do so. 30-plus uh, against Northwestern, who's one of the better defensive teams in the Big Ten last year. 
And then to do what he did tonight, especially after a slow start, I think he was part of some of the issues of Illinois getting going early on uh, of him not maybe being aggressive enough or just finding his rhythm. But then he really took over uh, there, especially in the second half. And uh, it's the turnaround jump shot. So smooth. He doesn't get sped up. He can, he can body a lot of people with, with his size and uh, just the ability to come into this role. I mean, Last year, he played with the ball in his hands a lot at SIU. Uh, of course, it's, it's a different level uh, in terms of, not, not, you know, the Missouri Valley is a good league, and uh, he, he's put up 1,600 career points for a reason. But now to just click into this alpha role, I mean, it was it started with him being a legit number two alongside Shannon, and Shannon goes out. And then you know how this how the scouting reports go. I mean, that, that, that changes a lot when you're right there at the top and, and he's still being productive. So, uh, you know, Brad mentioned – you know, it's kind of like a Luka Doncic type of role in that it's not a explosive athlete. It's a guy that you can't really speed up. It's a guy that uh, is a bigger body uh, that can handle it. And, you know, Marcus will get his pocket picked at times, and he's not—he's still not a natural point. Uh, and, and, of course, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's the exact carbon copy of, of Luka. You know, Marcus, <laughs> uh, with the, the outside shot, has been, for the most part, lacking uh, this year. And I still think he's got a chance to shoot it better than – than he has, but uh, the pull-up jump shots, the the craftiness, the the physical uh, dynamic of you know he can out out physical a lot of guys, and, and it helped too. You know he he smoked a layup or two once they got those lineups with Edie having to guard Hawkins, but that really opened up the the lane. And, and I just think that's a great dynamic of he, he's so comfortable going to that mid post area, and then Gary A and Hawkins with the way they can shoot it. It's such a, a great compliment to that because it opens up a lot of the floor. Yeah. And that's why you don't want Ty's limitations to, to take away from that. It did tonight. We'll see how that goes going forward. But it's great that Marcus is stepping up in this way. Dude, this offense is legit. I mean, I know they struggled early, but after the Ty thing, they figured it out. They still end up with 1.16 points per possession there, Derek. So yeah. what the, the dynamic you talked about with Domask and all these shooters around him, uh, it, it becomes a really dangerous offense. That I think a lot of teams are going to struggle with. Like it was clear, Edie was bothering them uh, early on in this game, trying to finish over him. They were feeling that out, and they really struggled. But you know, I, I thought Garrier and Dane Danger really struggled early. Luke Goody didn't have a rebound in this game, so even though he had a career high in points, they got punked early. But kudos to them for coming back, battling back. I thought Goody actually battled a little bit with Edie in the, in the post, but Quincy Garrier stepped his game up over the last 30 minutes, I thought. Finishes with his third straight double-double, 18-10. and 10. Talking about all Big Ten guys, he's being that. And Coleman got emotional at times tonight, and he didn't hit his hit a lot of shots, but he did make two threes, stretched some guys out. I thought he was really good distributing the ball, though, Derek. I, I thought he created so many opportunities for others, and I thought defensively, he was actually pretty good. Just his ability to contest guys, but uh, he just didn't get a lot of rebounding help tonight. So what would you think of the Illini's front court tonight? Um, Dane Danger, by the way, just minus 10 in six minutes, zero points, two rebounds. Uh, he, he struggled. He, he's been difficult to play. Here really. No doubt about Dane. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough night going against that front court. Uh, and he just we, – we've – been over this in recent weeks he really just counteracts what you're trying to do offensively from a spacing standpoint and while Dane has some some parts of his game I thought he made a nice pass to Justin Harmon on a cut early in that game when he did go in there it's just for for Illinois to go from you know the first 10 minutes of the game Zach Udy I don't know if he had a possession where he had to guard a guy that could shoot like 
he he went from guarding Ty Rogers, then only subs in Dane, and all of a sudden, you know, it, it's the same story. Zach Eady doesn't have to leave the paint, and Illinois offensively was struggling there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Quincy uh, had some nice finishes at the basket through contact. Uh, his double-double consistency is, is really important and impressive. I mean, it's something that he hasn't had going. I'd have to go back and look at the stats, how many double-doubles he's had in his sophomore year at, at Syracuse. But he was an all-league guy because he had – the rebounding dynamic is a top-notch rebounder, and then also uh, the ability to score it, too. Uh, it would have been nice for him to be able to slow down Trey Kaufman-Ren. I think he's got to take some responsibility and the fact that they didn't. Uh, and then, you know, with that rebounding, uh, being able to keep Purdue off the glass in terms of offensive rebounding, um, I mean, it, it's a team effort. It, the fact that Goody doesn't have one, that, that obviously hurts. And uh, the guards needed – the guards or perimeter players, Harmon, Ty uh, could have brought more. There were just too many times where they got out-hustled or out-tough for one. And, and then there were some odd just – and it, it's hard off of offensive rebounds. You kind of put in scramble mode defensively. Some three-point shooters were wide open. Sometimes the lane after a long rebound was just – Purdue just drove right down the lane as for an easy basket. But uh, I agree with you. Coleman's passing was, was a big deal. I mean, six assists tonight. Uh, hits that big three late to make it a three-point game just to give you a chance. Of course, you had the, uh, the travel where he just tries – he gets sped up or tries to do too much there. Um, and, yeah, he, he was I, – I thought, I thought he was a key reason you got back in the game in the first half, and, yes. and I thought he was a key reason you got back in the game in the second half. He had, he has those, he had a couple of head-shaking moments tonight, but I'm going to defend him just because I, I think he just – it's clear like when, when he's on the court uh, how much of an impact he just – he got he got his emotions up yeah, a few times on, on some fine. calls, and, and that's going to happen. But uh, he was impactful. Uh, he was impactful. It's just uh, early on he didn't get much help uh, on the glass because he was all over the place defensively early on. He just they didn't help him with those rebounds there, and they did need more from Justin Harmon tonight. Uh, five points, two of six shooting, fouled a lot. Illinois did foul a lot tonight, including Coleman on that end of half one that yeah. really felt like killer. Like that's a foul. That is a foul. Um, so th- those hurt tonight because Purdue got to the free throw line 25 times and Edie was 0-3. He barely got to the free throw. He's usually a pretty good free throw shooter and gets there a lot. Uh, but, man, Kaufman ran 6-7, Lance Jones 7-7, Braden Smith 5-6. Those points added up. Yeah, those miscues. Uh, there were – whether it was sloppy turnovers, uh, fouling shooters, not – Get, being in the right position or giving the necessary effort to get those off those defensive rebounds to keep them off the offensive glass. Those were things that really added up. Yeah, fouling Lance Jones, that being Coleman at the very end of the first half was a, a big one. He fouled, I, I forget who it was, I think he fouled another uh, jump shooter at, at one point there in the second half for another one of his fouls. Um, I, he was working for a tech, like not that he was intentionally doing it. He probably deserved one, uh, admittedly. Um, the crowd but wanted to give him one, yeah. The, the crowd was all, that giving him 85. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I I didn't feel like it derailed his play. I think sometimes earlier on the season, Green. in particular, like his emotions led to him making mistakes, making just being out of sync in terms of his assignments defensively or, or just taking some emotional shots or possessions offensively. I feel like he still played well for the most part. Um and I think it's fine. There's a balance. There's a balance there. I don't want to take away if I'm Illinois, you know, who Coleman is. But, um, yeah, he, he was emotional, but it was an emotional game. I understand why it was yeah. uh, in terms of the, the meaningfulness and uh, probably a frustrating 
night to get down that early and then probably on the on the bus ride home you're feeling like man you you play a different first five minutes you you might have walked out here with a win another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Purdue is good. I think we got, we got to acknowledge that too. I mean, they're the Big Ten favorite for a reason. They asserted that again tonight. Uh, they did coast a little bit. I, I thought it was interesting. Painter kept, up, kept out Edie for a couple minutes there where Illinois was making that run late. But uh, he didn't even have a great game tonight. They're able to, to win. It's a good team. That's a really good team that should win a Big Ten championship. And I still think if they get good play from Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, which did not happen tonight, kudos to Illinois. Yeah. Like that, they were a combined five of 20 from the mm. field. Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith with five turnovers between them. Um, Illinois can is going to get our shot at those guys uh, at their place. And I think that could be a really interesting game. Um, so I, I think Illinois proved it can – Compete with that team. It competed with Marquette, competed with Tennessee, didn't get any of those wins, but you were able to beat Fort Atlantic. Um, and without Terrence Shannon to be able to do that, uh, I think this team's going to relish the opportunity, Derek, for another chance at the Boilermakers. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And you certainly expect, and Matt Painter even mentioned it, that he said after the game, you know, we, we guarded one of their lineups, that being the starting lineup, really well. Uh, I think he'd also rope in the fact that, you know, Dane was in there. He he mentioned that it was tough to defend Quincy and Coleman as a four or five combo, especially when Zach had to guard one of those guys, when he couldn't guard a non-shooter, putting Purdue in that that spacing uh, in terms of their defense, it gave them issues. And I think Illinois will lean more into that the next time they see them. Uh, Well, of course, we don't know right now, but there's a chance that that Terrence will be uh, in that game, depending on, you know, how this legal process plays out. But, uh, yeah, I think even if this is the same version of Illinois going up against Purdue again in their own building, uh, they'll feel like they have a chance to, to knock them off. So um, uh, it is some learning lessons tonight. And I think in general, probably for both sides, like I, I think that not there aren't a lot of teams that have a skilled five like Coleman uh, and, and two front court pieces that can stretch the floor like that. But it kind of showed a weakness in, in Purdue yeah. a little bit defensively for sure. Uh, on Illinois side, they're going to have to practice and rep the possibility that another team can effectively defend Illinois like that, at least with tie on the floor. Uh, and right now you're dealing with a short bench. If yeah. if Dane gives you um, a, a contrast in terms of what you're trying to do and he's not that effective, then that just is another guy you can't really play a whole lot. Maybe DGL can build on some of the things he did tonight. I think he had some positives. Um, I was going to ask you about that, the fouling mix too. One thing we got to bring up with Terrence Shannon out, this is a very thin team. I mean, this is basically a six-man rotation the last couple games. Dane played six minutes tonight. He's, like, on the fringe of the rotation right now. Gibbs Allhorn got nine minutes. That's a lot of minutes for him. But he did come in, give a little bit of spark defensively there for a little bit, did force up a bad shot, um, had four fouls, which hurt Illinois. But, like, if Rodgers, if other teams do this, Gibbs Allhorn might become important. Uh, Amani Hansberry, if, if Danger continues to be a guy you can't put in 
with a Rodgers, maybe Imani Hansberry who had back spasms and, and couldn't go tonight. Um, maybe those guys become more options. I agree with that. Yeah, Monty's even flashed a little bit of the three-point, just potential, potential yep. to take a three and, and have a chance of making it. I know that mid-range-wise, he, he can do that too. And um, he's got more lateral mobility uh, defensively than Dane, like just lateral or uh, ability to kind of get out to the perimeter and recover uh, north and south too. So uh, not that I, I want to completely bury Dane and say that, you know, no matter what matchup, he's not going to help you, but they're – We've seen enough of a sample set. I mean, the high major games that Illinois has played, now that there's been, what, seven of them, I think? I mean, he's has he played 40 minutes total in those games? I don't I don't know that he has. Stay tuned for player grades. You gave me some homework to do. Yeah, so I know through five he had played like 32. So and I think he played four against Northwestern and then not very many tonight. So, uh, yeah, he's he's got to find a way to, to, to be more effective or, or just understand that he's going to be a spot player – Dre, for sure. I liked his energy. Like there, there was a little bit of a early. Now he fouled. Too. He got four fouls and, um, you know, did take a bad shot. But early, he kind of gave me a little bit of sincere vibes. Like he kind of flipped a little bit of momentum uh, going in there uh, and defending Braden Smith. He, he was able to uh, be on him uh, in terms of on-ball defense, drew a foul from, from Edie, who tried to come up and screen him and tripped him. And then he ended up getting a steal, too, as well. So, uh, we know that's a, a confident player, a guy that's a, a capable scorer, hasn't shot the ball all that well this season so far and has taken a few questionable ones. But um, he's talented, and maybe some minutes as they increase will allow him to settle in a little bit more. I do think he's important as they go forward and, and have consistently said I, I think he, he will impact some games before all, said, all is said and done. All right, let's get to a few of these questions and comments on the live YouTube channel. Appreciate the 400-plus of you guys tuning in. Hit the like button uh, before you get out of here. We appreciate you guys subscribe to us, uh, and you can get uh, notifications whenever we do this as well. Um, Kyle says, Brad's biggest weakness will always be in-game adjustments. I think that comes up uh, with the NCAA tournament talk with him. I mean, he's had a really strong season, but in this particular game, I, I, we talked about it. It, it took a little – too long for him to, to make the adjustment. He admitted that. Yeah, he lost a chess match uh, as far as that goes with, with Painter. And he, he did say he expected it, but then again, he didn't have the answer um, early enough in terms of taking Ty out and, and kind of living with that. You, you could say his, his bench was shortened and, and whatnot, but I think even just maybe going into the start of the second half, if he would have said, look, this isn't working. I don't want these early minutes that were very pivotal it's a 15-point game or whatever it was. Uh, we need to start sh- cutting into this. You can't have Edie spend the first five minutes of the second half guard and tie. Unfortunately, yeah. they did. So um, we'll see how he responds from that. But, yeah, I mean, the Loyola game is is one that he's going to have to to live it's down at some point. And um, that was definitely an in-game adjustment that didn't didn't come and didn't, didn't unfold to a different result. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy says, tough to keep getting emotional victories – 0-3, I think moral victories is what he's going for. 0-3 for, against top 15 teams. Got to start capitalizing on these close games. Yeah, Fort Atlantic, are they outside the top 15? That's still a quad one great win, marquee win for Illinois at this point. Um, but, yeah, I, I get it. Like, this, this team's missed some opportunities. You you had a chance. You had a lead in the second half at Tennessee. Uh, you had a chance to close Marquette and your home court. Then you had a chance uh, if you just don't get down twenty to four, Derek, to, to get another marquee victory. And there just aren't a lot of opportunities in the Big Ten outside of Purdue. So one of those two 
it's gone. There's not a lot of quad one opportunities in a Big Ten that, to me, outside of the top five of Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State, which Michigan State coming to town next, there's not a lot of good teams. Like I, I think it's a five-deep league, could be a five- or six-bid league. Uh, so there's just not many opportunities, and you weren't able to get the one tonight. Yeah, you really don't want to be sitting in in and around Selection Sunday like you were last year talking about quad one wins. Like Illinois only had two quad one wins going into Selection Sunday last year, uh, and none after beating Texas in December. So this year you got the FAU one. Rutgers is on the road. The rack for all its prestige and whatnot is not going to be a quad one win. Uh, Northwestern was – I think they're down to a quad three at home, and, and I don't even know if there will be a quad one when you go play them in Evanston. Uh, as far as where they stand right now, that some things can still shift. But to your point, those five teams really are the the known tournament teams, uh, at least kind of as we forecast it right now. And beyond that, you might have a smattering of, of NIT. And, uh, you know, I wrote about it. I, I know then the Big Ten went on a little bit of a response. And part of that was uh, Michigan State beating Baylor and really maybe having a turning point in their season. But just the opportunities for those marquee wins and resume building wins. Uh, there's a different, there's a different level when you, you know, would have if you could have beaten at ten, if you could have beaten the Vols in Tennessee, if you could have beaten Purdue in their home building, uh, even Marquette on your home floor. Um, not that Illinois is suffering in the net. I mean, they came in tonight, I think seventh in the country in, in net ranking. Uh, but as you push forward, there will be a concern maybe if if some of these other Big Ten teams don't shape up or, or just kind of the emphasis when you go to – you kind of want Michigan State. I know people don't like that. Don't We don't want to – don't tell us who to root for. Don't tell us, the, you know, that we want other Big Ten teams to do well. But if Michigan State is going to have a resurgence, then it provides a bigger chance to go to East Lansing, obviously on Thursday, but also then to go to East Lansing and beat them, and that, that would matter more. So uh, some yeah. of those things are good things. Uh, but really the close of the season will continue – no matter what, will be huge. Like if you win at Wisconsin, that should be a really nice win. It's not maybe a an elite win like at Purdue or at Tennessee, but it could be a really nice win. And then if you beat Purdue on your home floor, that could be a really nice two potentially elite one. Yeah, I brought up the bracketologist page here. Uh, Purdue at home, Wisconsin away, Michigan State and Ohio State away, Iowa away right now. I don't know if that's going to hold. And then home, Michigan State this Thursday. It's a huge game. It's a huge yeah. game because I think Michigan State's going to bounce back. They already have. Uh, but you're looking at on the road, there just aren't even that many quad one opportunities. Northwestern right now is not. Michigan is not. Rutgers is not. Um, Maryland is not. A team that I thought would have been Oof. a for sure quad one victory. There just aren't that many opportunities. And the Penn State on the road obviously is not. So, um, Derek, like this, this game against Michigan State, for resume purposes, we talk about seed lines. I think this is an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I, I believe there's some takes out there that, oh that Illinois might not be one. I think Illinois go. is an NCAA tournament team, uh, but not for me. It's about can you get the wins to, to help your seeding uh, at some point. I, I've seen enough from this team uh, in the last three games. I know one's against Fairleigh Dickinson. You gotta you gotta win a couple of these next couple of games, Derek. Um, but I, I, I have confidence they're going to get a lot of wins in the Big Ten, and yeah. that would still get them to a tournament. Absolutely. Um, Jerry Valise, tell Terry Oglesby he's crazy for Illinois to be a quote-unquote fringe NCAA tournament team. I, I don't know how that how that is your take uh, from tonight. But, um, yeah, I mean, in the first half, it, it looked rough for sure. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not a deep league as we're, you know, we're traditionally, 
used to seeing it, it being. Uh, they're going to be short on NCAA tournament bursts. Uh, and, and at the end of the game, you know, maybe if you get blown out by 25 and you're like, oh, you know, uh, has the momentum died? The post-Shannon suspension momentum died? Is, is there questions about this team's ability to be solid on a night-to-night basis and whatnot? The way they responded, look, I had to get it. Uh, moral victories. Uh, it was disappointing the way that they, they started this game, and uh, we'll see as as time goes on, the sample size goes out without an All American uh, of how this team looks. But but so far, early indications, both from Illinois and from the rest of the Big Ten, is that they should be able to to rack up a decent amount of wins in the league, double digit wins, uh, finishing the top five at, at the least, in my opinion, uh, yeah. if not being able to. To jump over Ohio State, you know, and they Scott. still have a they still have a non conference that was good. It was really helped their resume. Yeah. So, so I, I think. By the way, be... it was it was Tyler Hansbro that said it. Was uh, it Tyler Hans? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was Tyler Hansbro. Hansbro took an L in Champaign, didn't he? Uh, he might. Yeah, seventy nine sixty seven back in uh, two thousand ten. Right. Was he on the Harrison Barnes team? Yeah. I believe so. Let me check that box score. But um, yeah, I, I think that's that's a little crazy. No, he was not. That was that was Tyler Zeller that was on that team. Ah, I gotcha. Different I Tyler. thought Hansbro was on that team. Regardless, anyway. whatever ACC guy wants to talk about <laughs> being a French tournament, I think that's we'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I think, think you'd great. have to lose the next two games for me to think that. Uh, it's a big week ahead, Derek. Because um, if you can pick up a win against Michigan State. They take care of business against a Maryland team that hasn't been very good, but they did beat UCLA. Like, these are two talented teams coming up in, in Michigan State and Maryland. So this is a big week uh, for this team. Got to get at least one of these, but it's home court. If you're going to be uh, a top three Big Ten team and, and make sure you're an NCAA tournament team, you got to protect your home court. So these are this is a big week ahead for uh, the new look Illini, who have looked pretty good uh, considering the last three games. Yeah. Having a chance to have, you know, how much did Brad talk last year, especially late in the season and afterwards, uh, of not having very many quad one opportunities at home? The fact that you get one with Michigan State is really important. And just in general, yeah, holding serve at home um, and, and getting a chance to, to beat them. And uh, that's that's for jockeying position towards the top of the league. So that's, that's an important game. And I know it's not to the same extent of Ohio State last year when they lost like nine or 10 in a row, but don't be Maryland's get right spot. Don't don't let Maryland, who's we've been all sitting there like, really Maryland, and like, they're, and they're talented enough to do it. Like they are. It, it makes no sense that they've been this bad through the first two months. It right. Other than the fact, now I guess in hindsight, their shooting's terrible. Like, they cannot yeah. shoot from the outside. Uh, they, you know, Deshaun Harris Smith comes in and, and he's had a rough go, and uh, they've got some good front court pieces like Dante Scott, and although Julian Reese is kind of underwhelmed a little bit, uh, at least he did against Purdue. I don't think he scored. Uh, but they've, they've got some individually talented players, which Amir Young and, and those two, and then uh, Geronimo's an experienced guy in the Big Ten. Just don't let them have – and Maryland's been a, a thorn in Illinois' side through the years, uh, Brad Underwood's side through the years. So that I don't know if that matters still at all because the faces have changed. There's no Daryl Morsell or whatnot or Anthony <laughs> Cowan, but um, don't don't be their get-right spot for sure. Uh, Tyler Hansbrough did take an L.A. Illinois. Uh, Illinois, James Augustine, D. Brown went into Chapel Hill in 2006. 
uh-huh. uh, yeah. and beat them. Hansborough had 17 points in that game on just eight shots, so he was pretty good as a freshman uh, in that game with a little bit of revenge uh, for Illinois in that one. But, uh, yes, I, I agree with everything you said there, Derek. It's, uh, it's a big week ahead for them, but uh, I, I do think this team you know, came out. like Mackey's a place where you kind of get punched in the mouth. And then they were able to handle it. Um, so we'll see how they respond to that. Uh, one last get comment. in the mouth by that base, too, right? Oh, Holy Club, smokes. Club Mackey. It was like <laughs> Rutgers football. Felt like I was uh, in Piscataway. They have the best, the best sound system out in Rutgers. Uh, right? Mark said, I agree with you that Coleman is part of the Illini success, huge part, but he has a good deal of responsibility for the rebounding margin. He's Illinois' tallest player, only had four rebounds. No good. The one thing I would say to Derek about that, Derek, is – he's the one who makes the misses. Like he, he's the one forcing, like, you know, he'd be on Edie. Then he'd go over to the guy Edie passed to and, and contest that it'd be a miss. Other people got it. And it's everybody. It's not just the tall guys. Like you got to get Harmon. You got to get Rogers. That's why Brad was so upset with Luke Goody about having zero rebounds in this game. It's hard against this big team. Like they are a big team in the front court. But I thought in the beginning of the game, it was Gary, it was Danger, it was Goody. Like, those guys got to get in there. Rodgers didn't have many rebounds either. So, uh, Hawkins does so much, he can't do everything. And he's usually contesting those those misses. Yeah, that's how he got in trouble with the foul on Lance Jones. Uh, Jacobs Allward gets caught in the air on a pump fake, and he's got to go out and, and clean up that mistake, which, of course, he compounded it by fouling. But that's that's kind of what Coleman does is they'll, they'll tell you, uh, you know, his teammates and, and coaches that – He's able to cover up for certain guys if, if there are you know, breakdowns and whatnot. And I'm not completely re- re- absolving Coleman for, for not no. having more rebounds, but I, I agree with you. I think it's uh, those other guys. It was a team effort in terms of going and getting those um, loose balls and making sure Purdue didn't have those extra possessions. But uh, I, I definitely think that Coleman, uh, in terms of like just the ground he covers and contesting, uh, did a pretty good job. And only being able to – to end though, there are a couple. There've been a couple of stretches. Not that it's some like huge glaring. On the whole, they've been a pretty good rebounding team on, you know, throughout the season. But there have been, there have been moments throughout the year where they've given up a little bit too much in the offensive glass. Today was just, just ridiculous. I mean, eleven or twelve offensive boards in the first half was was crazy, um, and they paid for it. They definitely had to. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you to the 400-plus watching on the live YouTube channel. Hit the like button, subscribe to us, hit the notifications bell for us on the way out. If you're listening on the podcast, we appreciate you guys. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. For Derek Piper, I'm Jeremy Warner. Everybody have a great night. We'll talk to you next week with some big games coming up, Michigan State, Maryland, coming to the State Farm Center. Everybody have a great night. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast.